0: Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Another in the fire, right? And because there was one in the fire there with them, it was as if they were plucked out of the fire, right? Meaning the fire couldn't consume them. And uh, I'm thinking of the the Old Testament. I'm not going to quote the reference where it talks about Uh, Joshua the high priest standing in the presence of God and Satan standing opposed to him being there even and um, Michael comes in and says the Lord rebuke you Satan is this not a man that's been plucked out of the fire and and as we all know Jesus said all the law and the prophets are speaking of him and so that's actually giving us a, a picture of the Lord Jesus right and and Paul come and said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, right? And so there was a problem because there wasn't a human that could actually stand in the presence of God to receive the kingdom in his body. Because we were clothed in death. And should they try and receive the blessing of God while they're clothed in death, that would be like giving eternal life to the body of death. That'd be like giving eternal life to man dying. And so there had to be a human being that could shed the body of death come up free from the body of death, and then appear in the presence of God, and then they could inherit the blessing of God, which is the likeness of his immortality in their body, right? And so it's like a magnificent thing that God sorted out. I don't know if we realize, like, all the intricacies of the details that this guy God had to, like, sort out to make this deal work, right? But, I mean, he had to get a guy that could lose his body of death. How's that going to happen? And that guy not then be dead. So he's got to get a guy who's clothed in the body of death, but then that guy not be stung in the heart by the death and start trying to work to save himself from the death. And there had not been anybody that could do that, right? And so this guy, Jesus, comes. He puts on our body of death. He feels the full weight of the death pressing in on him, the weakness of a mortal body, the voices that come, the swirling around of the confusion, He hears all of that. He feels all of it. He hears the voice of the devil telling him, if you are the son of God, he hears the voice of the devil accusing the father to him, pointing at the death in his body, saying, where's your father now? And in that place, the Holy Spirit interceded in Jesus's heart and brought to Jesus' remembrance the father. In the life that he shared with the Father from the beginning. And just as the psalmist says in Psalm 16, he will not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. Neither will he leave his spirit, his life, in the grave. And so in the face of all that, the Spirit strengthened Jesus in the inner man. And all of a sudden, Jesus heard a different voice than the voice of the accuser. And you know what the voice was? He hath not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted one. Neither is his faith hid from him, but he'll hear him when he cries out to him. And in the place of the devil saying, you're not the son of God, do you know what Jesus says in the face of the accusation? Abba! <laughs> what? And so Jesus is quoting the word to the accusation. When he cries, oh, you think he's not my father? Abba! Watch. And then a magnificent thing happens because God comes and raises Jesus up from the grave. And guess what? He's not clothed in death anymore. So now there's a man that can receive the kingdom of God in his body. And so he ascends into the heavenly place. He passes through the bronze laver, which would be the first heaven, through the second heaven, into the third heaven to appear in the presence of God and in the presence of Satan who was in the presence of God accusing man. But Satan's got no accusation against man anymore because guess what? Jesus don't have no death in him no more. His body ain't got no death. (laughs) And that's when Michael would come in and say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a man who's been plucked out of the fire? Is this not a man who has shed the body of death? Is this not a man who's able to inherit the kingdom of God? And then boom. Jesus, indeed, Jesus. And so I just love that song, There's Another in the Fire, right? Because he then poured out the spirit that plucked us out of the fire, right? And so I just thank God for the magnificence of the intricacy of what he had to do to get life to us. And it's just magnificent. And I just want to say what a sweet thing all of this has been for me to to just see everybody. People keep asking me if I'm relaxing and all that kind of a stuff. I'm like a strange kind of a guy. I feel relaxed when other people are enjoying themselves. Like I don't I don't feel relaxed if I'm en- I enjoy myself by seeing other people enjoy themselves. And so it's been a sweet time for me watching everybody talk, the the group talks. So I just want to thank everybody for that. And I just want to say that's we've been having communion for like 4 days now. Right? That, that's what we've been doing. I know we didn't break out like the bread and the little, little wine grape cups. And th- I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But that's not exactly what communion is. That's just a sign, right? We've been having communion this whole time, sharing meals together, but also sharing with each other the body of Christ. Because when you open your mouth and minister to one another, really what you're doing is presenting people with the body of Christ. And the reason why it's called communion Is because when you partake with the Lord in his body, it's intimacy with God. I don't know if you guys realize, but when they worship God, when even the pagans worship God, they would eat a sacrifice. And in eating the sacrifice that was offered to the God, what they would be declaring is, I'm one with that God. And I'm one with their life. Your maker is your husband. And so when we come together and we hear the gospel and we share the gospel with one another, we're having communion with one another. And we're not just having communion as some type of a ritual. What we're doing is we're declaring that we're one body with God himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're having intimacy with God. We're having fellowship. We're communing with God. That's what's going on. And listen, that's a powerful thing individually. But there's a different dynamic when you come together as a body and you do it. As Phalem so beautifully pointed out, we're partaking in intimacy with one another. And the intimacy that's happening between one another is that we're being knit together in love. And we're edifying one another with the gifts that God has put in each one of us. And each one of us is a joint. And we're supplying to one another the, the impartation or the life or the nutrients that we each receive from God. And so we are one. But when we come together and do this, we're participating in that intimacy. And a knitting together is happening. And we can speak about it just in this room and think that's nice. And that would be true also. But I I tend to look. There's something much more powerful than just that that's happening in the grand scheme of the spirit of prophecy. You see, because when a body comes together, partaking of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus in in spirit and in truth, and, and realize that they're one with God through the power of his life, do you know what's happening in the earth? The body of Christ is being filled out in the earth all over again. And do you know if we could go up to the moon and look down at the earth from the moon, do you know we could have eyes to see Jesus himself in the earth all over again? Because we've come together underneath the head. And so there's the head, and now we're coming together as the body being filled out, and it's Jesus in the earth all over again. The church is Jesus in the earth all over again. And the way the whole thing works in the spirit of prophecy is that we come together in the unity of the faith. And as we come together in the unity of the faith with each part of the body receiving nutrients from the head, that is Jesus. That's why we see this movement speaking about the word made flesh in Jesus. The restoration of Christ as the head of the church in the eyes of the church. So that each part could receive nutrients, and we could come together and be knit together in love under Christ that is the head. So that Christ could be made manifest in the earth all over again, and so that the light of God's life could manifest in the middle of the earth, and it could be a homing signal to the world. Come home. You have an inheritance. It's the Father himself, and he has an incorruptible life. Come home. And that's the declaration of the gospel. That's why we start at the church. I want to man, that's in my heart to see the church come into the unity of the faith. That's it. For for the reason that I just said. Right? So thank you guys for coming and doing this with, with me, with Becky, and with each other and everyone else. Do not discount your presence here these four days. And the effect that it's had, like Phelan so beautifully said, on individuals, but also on the whole, right? So, so thank you so much. Um, just a couple of announcements. Tracy's trying to find a ride to the airport. Tracy, you want to raise your hand? A- and she's looking to. You're also trying to find a ride to the airport. What time? In the morning. You're willing to go anytime. And what, Tracy? What time do you? you can take them? Are you sure? Well, glory to God. Thank you, Deanne. Thank you, Jesus. God bless Deanne. This woman does the things of like 10 people. Rick will tell you. Every time I'm there in the house, I I, I marvel like astonishment, right? And do you know, it's a testimony of the grace of God. And that's what Deanne would tell you. Thank you so much. Um, Also, for those of you that don't know, we do a Zoom Bible study every Wednesday night, right? And if you feel lonely after you leave this place and you want to gather and talk to people, you can Zoom into our Bible study Wednesday night, right? And you can find um, the information to do that on our website, gospelrevolutionchurch.com, or you could also join the Bible study page on Facebook. It's the Gospel Revolution Church Bible study page. You could subscribe to Jay Jenkins' YouTube channel, Jay and Cindy back there. These people are just full of God, and they're just lovely, lovely people. And so if you feel lonely out there, you can Zoom in with us, and it Zoom's an amazing thing. You can talk to us, and we can talk to you. And if you don't like to talk, you don't have to talk. You can just sit there and listen, right? But by all means, you are invited. They personally asked me to invite all of you into their living room. Okay, so you're welcome. And if you can't be there, you could go back and watch the videos. They're they're recorded. Am I missing any other announcements? Well, good. We'll 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 get into it. Um man, I, I'm excited for today. It's it's gonna be powerful. Um the the next speaker, Gwen Gwendolyn McLeod. Um man, I love Gwen. I love Gwen. There's a lot you could say. I, I feel wisdom crying in the streets when when Gwen talks, calling forth people, speaking well of people. But something I, I seen about Gwen is is kind of what I read about Paul in uh Corinthians where it says that his presence wasn't mighty, but it was contemptible and like, eh, but his his letters were weighty. Right? So when Paul showed up in person, they're like, This dude doesn't talk very well. He's not very poetic. It's kind of boring. I mean, if you read Paul's letters, you could imagine how he might talk when he was preaching. Because if he talked like he wrote, my goodness, that would be a hard listen, you know? You can't go back and read it. They couldn't record it. And, Gwen, what what I see about you is that I think the world has tried to tell you that your presence is not mighty and that your presence is contemptible and less than. And I think that was the world trying to squash what God has put in you And the God that is in you and you know what else the world did it tried to squash the voice of God By telling him his presence Was contemptible and it wasn't mighty and So I just want you to know and I know you already know So I just want to stir you up by way of remembrance that the presence of God in you is mighty and when you preach Your steps your words are weighty. I feel the ground shake as you preach. I feel shackles being broken off. I feel I feel people being loved in the deepest parts of their despair and their darkness. I see them feeling embraced. I see them being led out. And so thank you so much for for being our friend. Thank you so much for, for preaching here and uh, for loving the gospel and for loving God. Thank you so much. Glory to God. Come on up.
1: I I said said that on purpose for y'all to know what time it is, okay? All right. The reason why this song is so appropriate for me is this morning when I woke up. Can you guys hear me? When I woke up this morning, that song began to play in my heart. And all I could do was weep before the Lord. It's a song that we haven't sang, but it touched me to the deepest part of my being. So when you listen to this, I want you to listen to this song as if the Lord himself is ministering to you in the deepest parts of your heart. Thank you, Brock.
2: Thank you. When
1: so was... oh,
0: King, this is what he has
1: done. He has raised us up and made us sit together with him. Hallelujah. Oh my God, oh my God. I mean, I've been feasting since October the 10th. <laughs> when Bertie came to Oklahoma and then he came back, I was feasting again and then Phelim came and I started feasting some more And I've just been feasting, and now my computer is acting up. But that's okay. Because I'm full of the life of God and the presence of God. And Jesus is alive. He is alive bodily. And he sits at the right hand of God. And guess what? We all sit down together with him. Come on now. Come on we have a reason to celebrate our God reigns in this earth heaven and earth has collided in me and in you heaven has collided in the body of Christ hallelujah glory to God when I see where he brought me from and how far it seems like I'm not even the same person that I used to be I ain't, that's right, mama. I'm not the same person that I used to be because now I'm free. I'm free. I know who I am. I know where he has brought me from. And I walk with my head up high in this world now thanks to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What can man do to us? What can man bring fear to us to try to shut us up and shut us down. But I'm here to tell you that today is a reckoning. Today is a reckoning on death in the world. Today is a reckoning when the seed is scattered. Look, look, look up your eyes and see that the harvest is white. It's not going to be white. It is already white, and it's time for the harvesters to get busy. Hallelujah, we got a life in us. We got a life in us that the world needs. And this life that is in us is an indestructible, an incorruptible life that can never die again. Oh, my God, when you sang the Lion of Judah roar, I said it's fixing to roar up in here because I feel the life of God pumping and flowing through my veins, and I'm just ready to be released on this world. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Like I said, my computer has gone blank on me, but that's okay, that's okay. God wants to do what God wants to do. So I'm gonna do a recap. Can these bones live? I said, can these bones live? Hallelujah, they rose on the third day. And we rose with him. Can these bones live? Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy to these dead, dry bones. When we look out into the world, we see people that are dry, that are needing life because they've been looking for life in all the wrong places. And we've got the life, the living water in us. Because of the resurrected Jesus. Oh, my God. Can these bones live? I feel like there's a fire in my bones. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. Thank you for that word, Matt. He came over to me and he said, you're about to step in a freedom that you have never known." But guess what? I believe that. I receive that. And guess what? Here it is. It's now. Today is the day of salvation for this girl. Glory to God. And then we have Phelan come up, talking about see. Can you see from heavenly's perspective? Can you see? And not hold man's old record against them? Can you see them with the mind of God? Can you call them out of where they are into a higher place? And I had to repent. When I heard that, I had to repent. And I'm glad about it. I don't mind repenting now, cause it's not about me getting down on my knees and saying I'm sorry and sorry and sorry. It's about you having a matter nor a moment where you can see people the way God intended for you to see people. And I repented. I repented of that. Because it's a sin for me to see people any other way. It's a sin for me to call people what God doesn't call them. The Apostle Paul said, we know no man after the flesh. Glory to God. Oh, my brother Bertie Brits, when he dropped the bomb on me, it was like, oh, my God, the bomb dropped when he said, why does God give the promise? to bring you to rest. You dropped it on me. You dropped the bomb in my heart that brought this girl to rest. I don't have to do one thing. I don't have to do one thing to bring God's promise to pass in my life. He gave the promise to me to rest. And whether I go to the rest stop, While the promise is being worked out, I have a surety that that promise will come to pass. I will be raised up in a glorified, immortal body, whether I live or whether I die. I will live because he said, if any man believes on me, though he die, yet shall he live. What has that done for me? It has freed me from the fear of death. All my lifetime, I was afraid of dying, watching horror movies and think the movies where you're buried alive, but you're not really dead. Okay. And the fear of that, the fear of leaving and dying and not knowing where I'm going. My God, all our lifetime were held into the bondage of the fear of death. But Jesus, our conquering king, he came and he tasted death for all of us in order that we might walk in his life. Oh my goodness, there has been a treasure trove that has been dropped in me this week. This whole month of October has been a month of feasting for me. And I'm so grateful for the men and women of God who have stood flat-footed and preached this gospel so that I can now stand on their shoulders and preach the unadulterated, undiluted gospel of Jesus Christ that he came. This is the gospel according to, to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Messiah died he was buried and he rose again on the third day. This is my gospel. I remember sitting in the living room where I used to live and I was listening to this man from South Africa. I don't know if you've heard of him, Bertie Brits. (laughs) He was preaching something and guess what? The Holy Spirit dropped into me because I had a question. Why is it so important for me to believe that you raised Jesus from the dead? Why, Lord? It's not a hard thing for you. You raised Lazarus. You raised the widow's son. You raised the child. Uh, the little girl that was dead. What's the problem? What's the big deal? It was a plaguing. It was plaguing me in the sense of why is Jesus' death so important? Why is his burial so important? And why is his resurrection so important that I believe? And I remember listening to Bertie Brits. And the Holy Spirit said, it's time for a side journey. And he downloaded why the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He said, you wasn't in Lazarus. You were not in the widow's son. And you were not in the little girl, but you were in Christ Jesus. Okay. And then he took me to Romans. I don't know why I'm going back to my pad. You failed me. Like everything else in this world will fail us. Everything in this world will fail you. And I've come to the conclusion that it's true. It will fail you. This thing cannot give me life. I'm not depending on it anymore. The word of God is in me. So he took me to Romans, the sixth chapter, and he said that I died with him. That in his death I was joined with him. In his death I was joined with him. I was buried with him. And I was raised up with him. Oh, now this took on a whole nother, a whole nother dimension for me. And I said, what you say? You're talking about joy, unspeakable and full of glory. It just began to the reality of where I am now the reality of what Jesus has done for me, the reality of this life, and I began the journey. And the next thing I knew, I was in the company of somebody y'all may not have ever heard of, this young whippersnapper named Greg Henry. Oh my gosh, I was hearing the skin come on the bones. It was the the whole gospel was being filled out so that I could see Christ clearly portrayed as crucified. And the process of divesting myself of everything that this earth could offer me began. I began to see that there was no life in this world. There's no life in my bank account. It tries to play like it's got life, but there is no life in your bank account. There is no life in how big your house is or what kind of car you drive or if you got Versace or Louis Vuitton. They can't raise you from the dead. But there is a man, and I thank God he was a man, that believed God, that trusted God. That when the world did its worst to him, when his hands was nailed to that cross and his feet were nailed, and he was stripped of his clothing, he didn't lift one finger to save himself. I said to the Lord, "Well, your hands were nailed, your feet was nailed, but your mouth wasn't." And he said, that's right, I could have called 10,000 legions of angels to come to my aid. But he was silent as a lamb is before his shears. because if he had done what the first Adam done, we would still be in our that's right. We would still be dead people walking around looking for life, groping after God, Perhaps maybe we could find him. But our God did not leave us in the darkness. Our God said at that cross, let there be light again. And the new creation came forth. And we came forth with him. That's why the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus must be proclaimed. That's why Jesus Christ must become the centerpiece of the church again. That's why there is no power in the church. Because the centerpiece has been removed and relegated to an Easter morning, Sunday morning service. Come on now. How does persuasion come? It comes by us hearing and hearing and hearing continually the word of Christ. Well, what is the word of Christ? The word of Christ is the promise that God gave from the beginning that he would give us eternal life. That is the word of life that God promised to us. And we hear it once a year. We only hear it once a year, and we wonder why we're in the position. But I thank God that there is a people in the earth that is hearing this gospel of the word of life that was given to us from the beginning, and they are taking hold of this word of life, and they are appearing now as the sons of God in this earth. Come on now, come on, come on, come on. Every last one of us in this place has heard the gospel and we've heard it over and over and over and over again. And our being has been saturated with this word of life. And I declare to you that you will never be the same. I declare to you that the Christ that is in you, the life that is in him is coming forth out of you. I promise, now go to rest. The Father said that. I didn't say that. The Father said that. I promise the life that is in you will come forth out of you. Now go to rest and let me do my work. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus, oh failure. (laughs) Listen, the scripture has come alive in me. The word has come alive in me. I see the life that God intended for all of us that I never saw before because the template wasn't put in place. But now the template is in place, and it doesn't matter which way you turn it. You see the life that God intended for you to have. Oh, my. All I can do is tell you what it has done for me. In my darkest moment, when my late husband was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, And I was working my head off with vitamins and juices and everything to try to preserve his life because he decided that he was not going to do chemo. He said, why should I poison myself? It'll just make me leave sooner. I'm trying in all of my effort and strength to keep him alive. And my good friend, Victoria. Oh, my God, I thank God for all the friends who have come and surrounded me and spoke the words of life. My friend Connie, speaking the words of life, calling me up. But Victoria, oh my God, she spoke a word. Gwen, There's only one thing needful. I couldn't hear it at the time because I needed to do something. God had told me years ago, before this, the position of savior has been filled. No need to apply. But here I am trying to be the savior of my husband's body. And I remember Greg, he knew what the, what the solution was, but he didn't want to tell me. He didn't want to tell me because he felt that if he really told me that he would lose our friendship. But I thank God that he loved me enough to tell me the truth. And when he spoke those words into my heart, I wasn't trying to hear him. I'm still going to work to try to save him. But when Antonio died, I said, Lord, we got to have a talk. Because obviously I'm not hearing you correctly. And I began to hear my brother. I began to sit down and hear the word of life. And the word of life showed me that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the answer to every prayer that humanity could ever pray. The resurrected body of Jesus is the answer. Lord, I need finances. The resurrected Christ is your answer. In him is the fullness of life. You have no need. Jesus hanging on the cross, stripped naked, bare. Psalms 22. We all know that psalm. I, don't, I can't quote it now since my scriptures is gone. But we all know the psalm where it says, the bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. Their mouths are gaping upon me. They are eating upon me. My flesh is waxed, I'm melting. They've taken my clothes and they are casting lots for them. They're hurling accusations. You say that he is your God. Where is your God now? Has he forsaken you? And our Savior began to quote the whole verse from start to end. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For those who had accused that God had forsook him. And at the end of the scriptures, he says, but you have not a whore, abhorred your afflicted one. Neither have you disabandoned or abandoned him, but you have heard him when he cried. And then he goes into the Lord is my shepherd. Let's not stop at Psalms 22. Let's go on in. This is Jesus on the cross in the midst of death. The Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is Jesus on the cross. So in the midst of that darkness, of losing my husband, life sprung up. Because I realized that the resurrected Christ Is the answered prayer. He has always been the answered prayer. So, no matter what you're going through in life, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Come on, people. We have a gospel that we can go to the mountaintop and shout it. This is a life giving message and I am so glad for all the places that I have been that has brought me to this place where I stand today in front of you. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then the Gentile, and to everyone who believed. Believe what? Come on, Bertie. <laughs> that he was raised. We've heard the scriptures this weekend. I don't, I, I don't need to go through all of these scriptures, but guess what? We need to hear it over and over again, even though my, my laptop failed me. I'm going to try to quote what you quoted or just tell the story. It is about Mary going to the tomb after the resurrection. And Jesus appearing to Mary and he tells her to go tell his brethren, the ones that are hiding, out. He goes, she goes and she tells them, she's just a woman. What does she know? She's emotional. We don't believe her. That's all she had, and I don't know if it was the pizza or the uh, whatever she ate the night before, but that ain't gonna happen. A man can never be raised from the dead. And then the two on the road to Emmaus, they have an encounter with the risen Christ, and then they come back and tell the disciples who were still hiding out. And they believed them not. And then Jesus appeared in the midst of them. Come and touch me. touch. See, that we might feel him. That we might feel him. Come touch me. A a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me. And he upbraided them. And he rebuked them for their unbelief because they did not believe those that had told them that he was raised from the dead. Come on. So these signs shall follow them that believe what? We're not looking for signs anymore. We're beholding the substance of all life. And as we behold that substance of life, we are transformed into the same image. We're not beholding wonders anymore. We're beholding the substance, which is Jesus, the Christ, the risen Lord and Savior, who is King of this earth. Come on, people. I'm telling you, there is a life that has been promised and that has been delivered, that has been raised up for us to see, that a man died with all the sins of all humanity. And if you want to know what God will do with a man who is full of the sin and death, if you want to know what he will do, look at Jesus. Whose sin did he have? Whose death did he have? He had ours. God raised us up. That is what he will do with a man who has taken on the sins of the whole world. What is your little drinking going to do? If you drink, if that's what what your hang-up is, behold the risen Christ. Christ. Behold him and watch those things that you think is going to plague you drop off of you. Come on now. There is power in the resurrected Christ. Oh my God. How long have I been talking? <laughs> oh my goodness. When I think about how tormented I used to be of death, how, how, it used to be in my preoccupation. And now is like, go faster, Lord. Go faster. <laughs> you know, like birdie on the autobahn. <laughs> go faster. Because the fear of death has been removed. The sting of it has been removed. And on those days when it seems like the voices are speaking loud in my ear, I turned my eyes to the resurrected Christ. I turned my face to him. Just like it said in the song, I will sit in the silence until you come and sit a while. And I hear his voice. And he says to me, be of good cheer. I told you you would have troubles in this world. I told you, you would have trials and tribulations. He said, but, be of good cheer. Because I, the resurrected Jesus, have overcome them for you and deprived it of its power to harm you. I, the resurrected one, the only begotten of God, I thank Jesus for every person that is in this room. I thank Jesus for every person that is watching via internet. I thank Jesus for every person who will hear these messages for years to come. And I thank Jesus that he is filling out his body in the earth. I thank Jesus that he has a people that is without spot and without blemish. The spots and blemishes is what the world can do. The death that can come upon a person and cause them not to see. I thank Jesus that he has holy ground. Holy ground. Holy ground. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the holy ground of God. Thank you, Jesus, and every person that comes into our presence. May they feel their feet being washed. May they feel the condemnation of death being washed off of them. May they know who that God, whose image has been marred in our sight. May their eyes be popped open and they see God for who he really is. He is a good father. He is a great God. He has made a promise. Now go to rest in his promise. If we remember that we are dust. If we just remember that we are dust. And dust can't do anything. That's a blessed relief. Not the relief gospel, Pastor Rick. But it's a relief to know that apart from him, you. Where's my water? Y'all left me dry. (laughs) Apart from him, we can do nothing. Come on, let go of the self effort, the self help, the self anything and rely completely On Jesus to bring forth his work in us. Jesus said, My Father is working and I'm working. So let them work. Let them work. I'm done.
0: Um, we're gonna get Carol up here, cause she has something she wants to share before we bring Birdie on, cause it looks like he he stepped out for a second. Um, r- real quick, to to just share something that that touched me because of Gwen, something the gospel revealed to me was that I just want life. And I hate it when I think I don't have it. And I hate it if. I think there's something there telling me it's in the way of me having it. And I didn't realize I interpreted the death in the world as if it could stand in the way of me having life. And so I was always tormented by it. Um, But to make it real short, I read Paul say something powerful. Whether I live or whether I die, Christ will be made manifest. It's like I thought death could keep Christ from being made manifest. I thought the tribulation in the world could keep Christ from being made manifest. And the way the promise put me to rest was I saw that whether I live or whether I die, to take it to its extremes, Christ will be made manifest. And that's really all I'm wanting anyway. So now I'm living, knowing nothing can keep Christ from being made manifest. So I feel happy about that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Carol, you want to sh- come share real quick? And just hold the mic up to your mouth.
2: If I pass out, just drag me over to the side. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, I was traveling to Tennessee to visit my sister and her family. And as I was praying, I just began to see this this figure, and it appeared to be like like a stone figure. It was very very tall, very very still, and um, but I began to realize that it was not made of stone; that it was a living figure. And as I saw this, the picture began to zoom back, and I could see what appeared to be this huge black tsunami, you know, of darkness coming towards this figure, and as it Crashed upon the figure, I heard him say, "This does not even sway the hem of my garment." And uh, as I began then to look up and I saw his face, the wor- uh, the face, the word that came to me was that it was that of one who knows something. It was his countenance was calm. It was knowing. It was pleasant. There was a slight smile there. And um, I just, you know, it just kept doing that over and over again. So then when I got to my sister's, I told her about it. And as the time went on and I visited with um, my nieces and nephews and was hearing the different struggles that were going on, it just c- kept coming back to me. This does not even sway the hem of his garment. And his countenance is that of one who knows something. So I have not been able to forget that, that he just keeps bringing that back to me. And it's like I just feel like he's saying to us, he has clothed us in his life. He's clothed us in his garment. And whatever might be coming against our children, it cannot even sway the hem of his garment. And his countenance is that of one who knows something. Whatever's coming against our country, It can't even sway the hem of his garment, and his countenance is that of one who knows something. Or whatever's coming against us personally, our physical body, the church, whatever, we are clothed in the life of Christ, and it does not even sway the hem of our garment, and our countenance is that of one who knows something.